0: Well, as most of you know, my name is Eric Birch. I'm one of the associate pastors here. Welcome everybody online. Uh, hopefully, they're not stuck in all this weather. Um, brand new year, right? 2022 is going to be a better year than the last two, right? And so far, we start with bad weather, catastrophic fires, uh, raging pandemic. So, plenty of room for improvement. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, that's the upside. There's Got plenty of room to get better, right? So as Dan mentioned, um, 2022 is, is, we're kind of looking at it as a year of repentance, reconciliation, and revival. Um, it, you know, It's been some bumpy years, and of course we've gone through this process with the listening sessions and stuff like that. And so we really want this year to be uplifting and, and really kind of a revival to, to what we're doing. And, and it's important that we take time to look at who we are in Christ and reflect that in our body. We want to reflect that we are in Christ. So who are we are who who we are in Christ? So I go to First Peter three, First uh, Peter two verses nine to twelve. Um, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, that they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of a visitation. Now let that sink in a bit. We're God's chosen people, holy nation, a royal priesthood, called to c- proclaim the greatness of God in the world. I mean, that's what we are. That's what we are in this body. Once we lived in darkness, but now we live in the light. And it's our responsibility to go out and share that light with the world. Before we hadn't experienced God's mercy, but now we have. And we have to share with the world that God's mercy is out there. Now, as you know, last year, the elders, we focused on the listening sessions. We wanted to hear the things that we were doing well, things we weren't doing so well, so that we made changes where we needed to make changes. Uh, And it's really good. We had a chance to hear a lot of people's uh, ideas of what was going on. Uh, And with that, we started making changes, right? As you know, we made some changes at Summit Ridge already in the sense that we changed the the bylaws and the Constitution to better reflect things. Uh, We've made some other changes in the the way we're starting to manage things. Uh, And then we're continuing to look at ways to take specific issues and resolve them. Um, and, and again our goal is to address every issue that doesn't mean we'll solve every issue but we'll address it we'll at least look at the issue and see what we can do um, as Dan mentioned we're going to have this reconciliation service and, and give us a chance again to share you know, cumulatively what we've learned through all of this um, so the real question is what kind of church does God want Summit Ridge Community Church to be um, and so the focus first today, I, I was sort of, it was interesting getting ready for this message. Um, I find topical messages are much more difficult than ones where you're working with the books of the Bible, because those are, you know, there's kind of a, a thousand other people looked at the same verses, so you have some research. Topicals, more work. So you have to kind of, and so there's a lot of verses that address some of these things. And what I thought was really that stood out to me was um, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. And it says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of a stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So again, we know we're God's holy people, and we've been called out of the darkness into the light. And it's really easy to curse the darkness. But in fact, what we have is the light, right? And so what does that mean for us? What does that tell us that we'd want to do? Well, God tells us that he wants us to be equipped for ministry, right? He wants us to build up the body. He wants us to attain unity, right? Become knowledgeable about Jesus, the Son of God, and to grow to maturity in the fullness of Christ. And again, that process—you know—we talk about process; it's a, a, a progress, not perfection. But as a body, our goal is to continue to grow to be more and more like Christ. Uh, and we're going to address, ideally, the things that we think that will help us get there. Now, obviously, that's no small list of uh, what is expected of us as a body, Uh, but it's a new year, and a new year is a chance to do things differently. Uh, It's not uncommon for us to make resolutions during new years, and typically they are things like exercise more, eat less, uh, manage our money better, uh, read the Bible more, spend more time with family. I mean, the list goes on, all these resolutions that we like to make. Unfortunately, most of these don't last very long, and they don't last very long because they're not habits. Um, for something to last, it has to be a habit. It has to be something that you get used to doing to the extent that you don't really have to think about it. It happens every day. You know, For instance, I read my devotionals in the morning before I go out of, get out of bed. And it's very rare that I miss it because I make sure that's what I do every day. And whenever you read your Bible time, the key is that it's a habit. It's something you do every time. right? And so um, we want to get a series of habits that, that bring us through consistent application with with changes that will make a difference in the body. Uh, And the key here is to make these changes and to be consistent about applying them. And that way we are able to build up the body in Christ and attain that unity of faith that we're looking for. Um, One specific item that came out of the listening groups is that we need to communicate better. Whether we're communicating to each other through social media, through email, whatever, we need to communicate better. Um, Often what we say to someone reflects how we think about them, what they mean to us, and how we share that information with them. And we have to ask ourselves, am I communicating in a way that shows that I love that person as much as God loves that person? Am I communing with that person because I see them as God's holy person as well? Do I see within them the image of God? I know I struggle. I, I, you know, I'm old. There's a lot of stuff that I see today that, that I'm like, it's hard to see the image of God. You see this outside appearance that's not attractive, right? I, the, and it's, and it's, that's not the image of God. You know, I always say, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I know it's not attractiveness because I certainly don't hold myself attractive. Um, So it's something else that that means, right? And that's where we have to be. We have to be able to look at the people we're talking to, communicating with, and seeing within them the image of God, the way that God sees them. And again, that's no small challenge. I mean, I'm the first to tell you, I struggle with it. Um, So... Today we're going to um, talk about, so I, I, I named it Think Like Jesus is the name of the message today, and um, you're probably familiar with the, um, the acronym THINK. Uh, it's pretty f- popular uh, in communication circles, you know, being truthful, helpful, um, inspiring, necessary, and kind. Uh, and today I want to look at that acronym, but I want to look at that acronym from the perspective of Jesus. How do we think? like Jesus, when it comes to how we communicate with people. Um, so what can we learn from Jesus, the way he communicated, the way his apostles communicated, what we read in the Word? How can we learn to think like Jesus? Um, and unfortunately, there are things that we say that get us into trouble. Um, we tend to say things either that we shouldn't say, or we say it in a way that offends people. Uh, I tend to be really direct. Not everybody likes direct. Um, and like one of the things I did at, at the new job I started um, is to let people know I'm direct, and please let me know that if you don't like direct, tell me, so I can come up with a different way of communicating with you, uh, because I'm naturally going to be direct. Now, fortunately, most of the people I work with are IT guys. And we talk in direct because all we know is binary. You know, everything's a zero or a one. There is no .5s in our lives. Uh, But that's not true of everybody I communicate with. And so I have to make sure I understand with these people that don't want to be talked to directly. So when we do communicate with people, we have to react in a way that honors Jesus, reflects the love that we should have for that person, And recognize the image of God within that person. And recognize that people are intrinsically valuable because they exist. And that's very contrary to the society we live today. There is no hate people in the scriptures. God does not hate people. He hates sin, but he doesn't hate people. And we can't hate people. I'm very much disturbed by what I read so often in social media today, where people are... Putting Christianity and nationalism together. They don't go together. Christianity is the way that God treats his people and the way we should treat his people. Uh, and there is no room for hatred. All right, so let's get started. So the first uh, letter, T, truthful. Is it truthful? So is what we want to communicate truthful, or is it opinion, rumor, a feeling? Or something else. Now the idea of is it truthful is important in two specific ways. First of all, if you're talking with something about something biblical, you should know what the Bible says about it. You should know what the truth is. Uh, And it's very important that you do because the reason that you need to know what the truth is is so that you don't get pulled aside by some other belief. Um, as you imagine, there's a lot of going on in the world today that is not in alignment with biblical truth. Um, and if you don't know what that truth is, it's very easy for you to get pulled into these ways that just don't match what people want in Scripture. There's a story about the, a son goes to his father and says, Dad, you lied to me. He says, you told me that God created man and woman in the garden, and through that, all men, women throughout the world came from Adam and Eve. But I talked to Mom, and she said, we all started as monkeys. And it took us about a million years, but then we evolved into the people we are today. And the father looks at his son and says, Son, I didn't lie to you. Your mom was talking about her side of the family. (laughs) (laughs) So so Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 the results of being properly guided by the truth. uh, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, by speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. That is Christ. Again, one of the most important reasons that you're supposed to read the Bible every day, write it on your hearts, is so that you'll know the truth and not be deceived. Um, If you don't know the truth, you're like a sailboat without a keel. If you've ever been sailing, you know that the keel is there because it holds you against the wind. So when the wind blows against the sail, it wants to push the boat in the direction of the sail, but the keel which is guided by the rudder, keeps the boat in the path it's supposed to be on. Well, if you don't have the scriptures on your heart, if you don't know the truth, then you're a boat without a keel. You're just going to get blown off by wherever the wind goes. And as the wind shifts, so are you. You're going to go back and forth, back and forth. So it's really critical that you know what the truth is. Now, when you get into discussions with people... It's not unlikely that biblical truths will come up. And again, it's important that you know what those truths are. Now, we have to be cautious. Our goal is not to go out there and find people who disagree with us so we can argue with them. That's not the point. But the point is we have to know what the truth says. Um, And we're taught that we are tolerant of those who don't agree, don't align with biblical truth. Because at one time, we didn't. At one time, we were lost And it was because of the Holy Spirit working in our heart, guiding us as we read through scriptures, that we understood what the truth of scripture was. So we have to be kind with people. Um, And I've been in situations where it's clear that we will not agree. And that's okay. And I'll tell them. It's clear, uh, this is my basis. right? I use the Bible as my source of truth. So we won't agree, and that's okay. We can agree to disagree. Um, It's important that we respond to people kindly with the truth, uh, not beat them over the head with it. And I really believe that living a biblical life will give you a better life than if you don't. But as we know, that is not what society teaches today. Uh, and so the best thing we can do is do our best job at living that biblical life and being attractive for those people that see that we have a life that is worthy of living that way. Romans 12.18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Right. Again, we should always seek to end a discussion in a loving and helpful way. We should seek to be peaceful with people. Now secondly, if it's not truth, then it's opinion, rumor, or a feeling. And if Nature hates a void. If there is not enough information in something, people will fill in the rest. They will come up with enough to satisfy what they want to know. And when something is communicated, it's best to know as early as possible that what you're communicating is the truth and that it's accurate. Um, Proverbs 18.13 says, One who gives an answer before he hears, it is foolish and shame to him. So it's important that you understand that what you're communicating is truth and not rumor. And if you come to the conclusion that this is just a rumor, then don't spread it. Because until you know that you're spreading the truth, you're just adding to the problem. And I have seen rumors do incredibly destructive things at work, in community, and certainly here. So we can't spread rumors. The uh, next one is opinions. Opinions. Now, opinions means that there's alternates, right? So, for instance, we don't argue that vanilla is best. That's not an issue of truth. That's an opinion, because there's some people who prefer chocolate or Rocky Road um, or that one with Oreos in it. But, uh, but the point of it is, is that uh, opinions can be really important to share if you're asked for it. My family is really good at offering opinions that we didn't ask for. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of issues caused because of that. Um, so I find it's really important to hang on to your opinion unless someone asks you for it. The Romans 14.1 says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not to have quarrels over opinions. There's a lot of things in Scripture that could go either way. And there's no point in having arguments over those things. Yes, it's important we know the core truth, but there's other things that, that aren't so certain. We shouldn't have arguments over that. And the same thing's true of opinions. I, you know, obviously, when you go to social media, there's a lot of folks out there sharing their opinions, um, and some in not-so-nice ways. Um, again, we should not be part of that. Finally, feelings are just that, and it can be important on how you receive communication. Now, Donna and I have been married for 35 years, and I still unknowingly will say things that upset her, that are hurtful or offensive. And she knows I love her, and I would not do that on purpose. But it still happens. Hard to believe, but true. But in the end, if I don't know that I did it, and she doesn't tell me, then it'll happen again. And so I've always told her, I said, Donna, if I offend you, tell me so I won't do it again. We owe it to each other as husband and wife not to offend each other and to be willing to change what we do so we don't offend each other. The same is true here. If someone speaks to you in a way that offends you, let them know. If I say something that offends you, let me know. You know I will not offend you on purpose. Also, if we hear someone say something to someone else that's offensive, take time, take the person aside privately and suggest to them there might be better ways to communicate than to communicate in that way. So in the end, it comes down to us individually communicating truthfully in a loving way. You have to know the truth and be clear of it before you speak. All right. H, helpful. Is it helpful? Did it help you, them, or the situation? Is there a benefit to what you have to say? Or is it just boasting, gossip, inflammatory, or condescending speech? Romans, uh, Paul makes it clear that such behavior is not acceptable for us. Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32, it says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind, to those things that are not proper. People having been filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, and evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unfeeling, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Ouch. Right? I mean, he puts in the same category as as people that bring up envy and, and strife and deceit and share gossip, in the same category as murders. Ouch. So arrogant and boastful speech, lies, have no place in the Christian walk. And Paul says that people who practice such things are worthy of death. Sounds pretty harsh. But that's how important it is what we say. That's how important it is that we share the love of Christ in everything we say. And that's why it's so important that we think before we speak. I'm telling you, this message is as much for me as it is for anyone else, is that taking that effort to pause before we speak and to think. I remember when I was, we had little kids, they'd say, always count to 10 before you discipline your kids, right? To let the anger flow and act, right? Same thing here. If we pause before we speak, we'll be much more likely to react appropriately than responsively. Um, and it can be difficult. All right. Like I said, often um, we want to respond in a way that's not helpful, kind, of friendly. We should just not respond. I know there's times people say things to me, and I ooh, the first gut reaction to me is, boom, I'm going to respond. I, I don't know how many times I've written an email and then deleted it. Um, I just vet the heck out of it, and then... Delete. <laughs> or I'll leave it for a day and then delete it. But the, the bottom line is at least I didn't send it. Uh, so, and I think that's good. I think it's helpful to be able to write what you're thinking. You know, I, um, again, the key is to uh, choose when to send it. All right, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 says, To sum up, all of you should be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult but giving a blessing instead, for you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Again, not respond evil for evil, insult for insult, as much as it may seem at the moment what you want to do. And even if you have something negative to say, it's best to say it in a way that brings positive. I always hate the, uh, what's the term, Um, constructive criticism. You know, it seems like an oxymoron. Uh, at work, we used to have what we called a pip sandwich. Um, praise improve praise. and It's a way of getting people to make changes that they need to make, but not being mean about it. Not just going right to their face and saying, here's what you need to fix. And so the idea behind it is that you first say something good about what they do, their strength, then you mention something that might be needed in improvement, and then you finish with something, that, again, that's a strength and include the results of having made that change. So as an example, Hey, Bob, really solid project planned, and I think your schedule is very reasonable. Uh, you missed a couple of steps in equipment setup, but I'm sure you can iron it out, and we'll have a successful conclusion. Again, say something nice, point out what has to be fixed, say something nice again. And that way, people are going to be receptive to what you have to say. Because if you just show up and say, hey, Bob, I read your plan, Pfft, sucks the way you did that setup, you're not going to have a lot of friends. <laughs> so, all right. Again, even if you have to say something that's negative, think about it. Try to say it in a way that it at least has some good, some positive, and then you'll have a better response. All right, we move on. Inspiring. Is it inspiring? The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines inspire as to make someone want to do something or give someone an idea about what to do or to create. So, for instance, do what we, does what we say inspire confidence? Are we enthusiastic about what we're saying? When I was a kid, my favorite Winnie the Pooh character was Eeyore, the donkey, you know? He goes, oh, well, it's going to rain, you know? <laughs> I stopped. He was, was always a pessimist, right? There was nothing good, right? And so it was. It was always. Uh, um, I remember I had a, my mom threw away these curtains, and so I, you could buy these, I don't know what patterns I guess they call them, and, and at the store, and so I was able to make my own big eor. And uh, I just thought it was. He was a great character. But remember, he was never enthusiastic. He was always, you know, negative about everything. Well, we can't be. We have to be enthusiastic. Um, Do we help people see things in a way they haven't seen them before? Again, the key here is to help people discover change. Uh, Not point it out to them directly, but help them discover change. Uh, Do people feel we really care about them? Do we say things that encourage changing a behavior, or do we make it seem like criticism? And do we encourage thoughtfulness? Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25 says, let's home firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together as the habit of some people, but encouraging one another And all the more you see the day drawing near. Again, not everything we can say is going to be overly enthusiastically encouraging. Uh, But the key here is that we should be better off, the person should be better off that we communicated to than when we started, right? We should at least bring something good. And again, like I said, you don't see that today in social media. All the conspiracy theorists and rumor mongers and um, all that sort of stuff is doing nothing helpful in communication. All right, N, is it necessary... Do I improve the silence by speaking? Um, There was an old adage in sales when you're getting ready for the close, he who speaks first loses. Uh, (laughs) So, when you have time to communicate, my question is to myself does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? And does it need to be said by me now? some things are better left unsaid. I always joke about people that have a knack for the obvious, right? They point out something that everybody knows is happening. Um, the uh, now, when I, when I was young, uh, I never listened to my parents. I hate to say that. I just assume, what do they possibly know? Their parents, um, and so I would listen to just about anybody else. Um, and then when I got older, probably about 23, I realized my dad was really, really smart. Uh, I don't know what happened to him, but he just like got so wise all of a sudden. Um, and I realized that he had some really good advice. Uh, but he knew that when I was young, I wasn't going to listen to him. So he didn't share, except you know, in rare instances. Because he knew he was just wasting his time trying to tell me things. And that's the way it is sometimes. There are people that if we're the ones that communicate it, they won't listen. There's probably someone else who could communicate it better. Um, so I've some situations here when um, you should probably remain silent. When you are angry, Proverbs 14, 17 says, A quick tempered person acts foolishly, and a person of evil desires or devices is hated. Sometimes it's time to listen and not talk. A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs 13.1 When you are tempted to tell a lie, Proverbs 4.24 says, rid yourself of deceitful mouth and keep devious speech far from you. You better remain silent if you might have to eat your words later. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. When you have something more constructive to do, Proverbs 14.23, In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. When you have said it before more than once, it becomes nagging. Proverbs 19.13, A foolish son is destruction to the father, and the quarrels of a wife are a constant dripping. The list goes on, and I do mean goes on. I was Trying to be nice to Dennis, and I still had several pages of, of things. that, and, and you can find this sort of stuff in Proverbs and otherwise, that, that the dangers of speaking when you should not speak. Um, so uh, Proverbs really gets into a lot of detail. Again, the bottom line, don't say something unless it actually needs to be said by you then. Finally, kind. Is it kind? What is my motivation for saying it? Does it lift them up or drag them down? Now, I must admit, I struggle with sarcasm. Um, if it was an Olympic sport, I could be coach. Um, and I used to I mean, I lived it for a long time. I just love sarcasm and, and going after people. But I've shared the the Latin root of the word sarcasm means to tear flesh. It is not kind. Um, and I have to, I mean, there's times that I, th- I hear someone say, and I go, oh, I've got the perfect, <clears throat> I can't say it. Yeah i going to bite my lip and not say what I'm thinking. Um, and it's hard. You know, I mean, especially, I mean, like I said, I did it for so many years. But I find out people don't like sarcasm. Donna hates it. Um, it took me a while, but I finally figured out best not to use sarcasm with Donna. Um, again, we're commanded to be kind to each other. Ephesians 4, verses 30 to 32. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Again, by speaking kindly to each other, we build each other up. We communicate in a way that is unselfish, um, a way that shows love. Again, speak kindly to people. Ephesians 5, verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Again, Speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in kindness, sensitive, builds up the body. So, a while back, I made a blunder. I I, I shared the the All Lives Matter thing, and I didn't know at the time that that was a political thing. I thought, All Lives Matter? Yeah, to God, that's true. I like the idea. Fine. That's good. Fortunately, someone came to me afterwards and said, (coughs) Eric. That's a political thing, and it's not going to be received well. Okay, well, I will not wear the T-shirt. The, uh, I didn't know. And they didn't stand up in the back and yell at me in the middle of the message, but instead they came and pulled me aside and said, hey, yeah, I think you're probably unaware of this, but here's what is going on. And I really appreciate that, because they brought me the truth, they did it kindly, and they did it in a manner that recognized who I was and that I didn't do it out of malice. It was a mistake. An honest mistake. And that was, to me, was just really good leadership, a good example of how that's supposed to be done. Uh, again, because it was an honest mistake. Uh, and I made sure I won't make that one again. I'm sure I'll make plenty more, but I won't make that one again. Uh, so again, that's the key. Um, some final thoughts. First of all, the tongue can be very kind or Very cruel you want to have a fun day, go online in one of these Bible websites and study everywhere it mentions the word tongue. You'd be surprised. Um, God takes very seriously that you're taking seriously what comes out of your mouth. Um third chapter in the book of James goes into it really deeply. I'm just going to cover a couple of verses here. James 3, verses 8 and 9. But no one among mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord Lord and Father, and with it we curse people, who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth can come both blessing and cursing. There are people who say, ooh, you eat with that mouth? Um, Yes. I... um, I spent a lot of my life around people that didn't speak very nicely, foul speech, hard, uh, you know, off-color jokes, etc. And I was there too. Don't not like I'm saying I was innocent. Um, And it's taken me a long time to to overcome that and try to get out of that. Um, And sometimes I will catch myself off guard and say something I should not say. It's interesting. C.S. Lewis says what you do when you're caught off guard tells who you really are not what you do when you've had time to prepare, right? So it's about building that habit about not using those words, not saying those things that you shouldn't say. Again, it's very easy to slip and go back into old habits. Uh, But if we think before we speak, we have a chance of, of not doing that. Secondly, we should not only speak kindly to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we need to speak kindly to everybody, even those who do not believe. Again, Christianity has to be attractive to the unsaved, not judgmental. Colossians 4, uh, verses 5 to 6, Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Your speech must must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Again, this message is as much for me as it is for anyone else here. Um, we have to stop and think before we speak. I want to close with one last verse, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint, as each one has received a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks,